The Two Mats is brought to you by the New European. If you like the contents of this podcast, The Two Mats, if you're a regular listener, you're going to love The New European. And I've got a very special subscription offer for you for just a pound a week or two pounds a week if you want the newspaper. And that's the price of a bottle of water, folks, a small bottle of water. You can get The New European delivered to your door every week and you'll be supporting great independent journalism and you'll be kicking back against the corrosive nationalism that helped bring Brexit to Britain's shores. You'll also get a £25 voucher to spend at The New European shop and you can get a great book we've just published on the Battle of Orgreave or you can get a t-shirt or you can get a mug or you can get a great bollocks to Brexit passport cover. So do the right thing please, support this podcast and also support The New European. Go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S and there's a link in the show notes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porry. Steve is off this week, but I'm joined by journalist, broadcast, all-round good egg, Neil Perry. Neil, how are you doing? Um, much better after that intro. It's probably the most flattering introduction I've ever had. Yes. Um, <laughs> although I was told the other day that I didn't have the physique to look like a snowman, so I took that as a compliment as well. I'll settle with good egg. That's a fantastic compliment. Yeah, I was told I was too tall to be an elf, elf and with the wrong physique to be a snowman, so that's my yeah. Christmas options. So what, have you been like going for Christmas seasonal jobs or something? Is it your <laughs> no, it hasn't reached that point yet. It hasn't reached that point yet, and I've, I've digressed before we've even got past the intros. Because you see the carrot nose. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that. So, Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank goodness this isn't visual. Um, in a little while, I'm going to be chatting to Jerry Scott about whether Theresa May should just pack up and leave number 10 and pretend none of this ever happened, get a nice little cottage in the Welsh hills and see out her days there, or whether indeed she should battle on. But for now, let's start with the news. And, Neil, we have a new Pretty Patel. We do indeed. We have a... uh, Well, and there's going to be a picture attached to the story (laughs) for everybody. Um, Well, if you you want to mention that... Penny Morden is is now a cabinet member. She is the new International Development Secretary. And she is perhaps most famous to the general public for appearing in reality TV show, I guess you would call it, Splash. And that was where they lined up all kinds of different celebrities to throw themselves off a diving board. Yeah. But most famously beforehand, they have to have the famous publicity photos with all of them standing, trying to get in and out of a pool, breathing in or or not, or trying to get the lighting right to show themselves in the most 
yeah, suitable tensing, possible. tensing their non-existent six-packs. Indeed. Well, Penny has got that shot, of course, and uh, and she looks great. Yes. Um, but I imagine if she'd known that she was one day going to be a cabinet member, she probably wouldn't have taken part in Splash. It's an odd decision, frankly. Well, but fair play to her. Fair play to her. Well, she's good fun. Um, in her address to the House of Commons, she said the word five times. Um, she also said lay. Right. And she also said laid. Okay. Uh, she said laid six times. Now, in light of what's happened in the last few weeks, I think that also might have been a decision she shouldn't have, uh, she in hindsight wouldn't have taken. She also named lots of her Navy pals. Um, she's got a military background and was the favourite, actually, to get the defence job. So I think she was a bit of a shoe-in this week. Uh, obviously, the Prime Minister knew that there was another job coming up. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she didn't. Who Poor knows? Poor old Pretty. Yes, Pretty. W- what do you think about Pretty's, uh, Pretty's week from hell? Um, well, I think the week from hell won't have finished yet. And you know, at the time we're speaking of this, there's only, there's only so much we know. But you've got a feeling this is a story that's just going to keep on running. It seems yeah. to be with each passing day, a new <laughs> drip of information appears. Mm. And it just adds to the story. Um, Do you think that Priti Patel is, A, a very clever, manipulative MP who was grasping at a power vacuum in order to position herself for number 10 or B, really dim? That's a very good question. I would probably go somewhere between the two. <laughs> yes. um, there's no there's no harm in maybe showing your, your intuition of maybe doing such things and if that's how she figured she should be carrying out her duties yeah. in, her, in her role, then that's her lookout. The way she went about doing it, you could possibly say naive, you yes. could say misguided, you yes. could say many words like that. Yeah. But the whole thing's turned into a, a, a bit of a mess from someone who was previously being held up as one of the one of the, the go getters, I would suppose. Yeah, I mean but Pretty was described to me and I, I I've interviewed Pretty a few times. I did a very big sit down with her about uh five years ago and, and spent a good couple of hours with her and and she was very, very laid back and very approachable and very uh, good with the media and the press, and she knew what she was doing. And she's got a background in PR, so you would expect that. You would hope so. Um, but also, she's not. She wasn't bothered about the fact that I tried to, you know, stitch her up over the fact that she supported the death penalty. And so she's not bothered about that. She's very thick-skinned as well, and she's not bothered about stuff being, being thrown at her. And I, th- but I, I get the feeling that the the truth lies, as you say, somewhere between option A and B. And this week, a couple of days before. She was, oh, she resigned. Of course, she wasn't sacked. Of course. Um, I asked a, a a good Tory source what what he thought of of Pretty Patel, and the answer was, I always thought her ambition um, outreached her ability, and I think I think that is kind of true. Um, I think that she, I think that she was she's hugely ambitious. I mean, she's been pretty open about wanting to be PM forever, um, and her conference speech was extraordinary oh, as well. Was. Um, and so, I, but I don't think that this. I don't think that she's. Bit, she'll be at home crying into a conflicts uh, this morning. I think she'll be. Um, I think she'll be plotting her way back to the cabinet table. And I do. I think that she's the kind of person that might find her way back. Actually, she's very determined, and I can see this hardening her her determination to to get on and 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 go as far as she possibly can. So I suppose her position was untenable in the end 
completely untenable. Yes, but it was extraordinary that the prime minister dithered, frankly, over the um, over over getting rid of her. I think she should have gone long before she did. Um, but she'll be back. But I think the most incredible thing about it, though, is I'd, I'd probably quite like her arranging my holiday. She seems to get access to all the best places that the tour reps do. <laughs> yes, although um, you know, I, I think probably her poor son who was dragged around these awful meetings probably just wanted to go to centre parks didn't he oh, quite possibly but I know if I went down the travel agents and said well I would quite <laughs> like to go to Israel and can you sort something out with Netanyahu whilst I'm there I don't think that's on the, the normal catalogue no you've got a yeah you've got a, a very specialist very, very specialist. specialist very specialist political tours anyway. so Brexit talks back on back on exciting going in which direction well round and round <laughs> like a record baby I, 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 this just doesn't seem like it's going to happen we're not going to get to the place we need to be by December are we December's not very far away the John Lewis advert's out isn't it or about to be it is and which frankly will take over the entire media agenda so I'm sure a lot of people will forget all about Brexit once the new very animal based will, advert comes out that is, it's going to be the bear I, th- I believe wasn't it the bear a couple of years ago isn't it, isn't it a fox and a mouse or a oh, womble or something We've got ourselves into a position where we've got very little time to negotiate Brexit. Is It's not going to happen, is it, by March 2019? We might just get to a point where we can start negotiating properly by then and get into... We might get a transitional period sorted. The negotiations are going to, are going to lapse over then, aren't they? What is, for me, is so interesting about all of this is... You fully appreciate why only certain amounts of information can be released during the negotiations. You can't show all of your hands. You can't keep everyone up to date on every tiny thing because it would make our, our negotiating position quite impossible. But the lack of information almost feeds the vacuum. If you are for Brexit, you can maybe convince yourself, well, things are going brilliantly. We're, yeah. just, we're just not being told about it for obvious reasons. Yeah. If you are against Brexit, it just creates a long and ever-growing sense of fear that everything's going horrendously wrong and we're about to fall off a very high European cliff at some point. We're not really actually going to absolutely know, although obviously on this podcast we have some rather big fears about the way it's going, but we're not actually probably going to know until the very last second, are we? It's a bit like Christmas Eve, frankly. I was thinking more transfer deadline day. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you're hoping for the the amazing... 30-goal-a-season striker to come through the door with three minutes to go. But you end up with... And then you end up with a a loan from a mid-table Premier League club. Ipswich Town Reserve striker or something. Well, there's a bit of talent there. You never know. You never know. But, yeah, that's a good good analogy. I like that. I just don't know. These these talks come around and don't seem to go anywhere, and I'm very concerned that we're not going to kick-start the negotiations on future relationships because we're not... not giving enough um, and, and I think also there's got to be some blame on you know we we invoked article 50 in March then we wasted loads of time on a general election we didn't need there's been other time wasted as well the preparations weren't there we weren't ready and really the EU don't need to be ready they just need to sit there and sit it out don't they well I think the only way to solve the problem before we move on to the final item on the news agenda would be to pitch up Harry Redknapp and maybe do the entire negotiations through his car door window, just like transfer <laughs> deadline day, it would get done. It would yes. get done, and we'd probably sign several people we've never heard of in the same <laughs> same breath. Should we talk about the dinner date of the year? Yes. Now, of course, after you've after you've accepted the saddening resignation of one of your closest allies, after you've accepted the resignation of one of your trusted 
cabinet ministers, what do you do? Drown your sorrows? You go out for dinner? Pop out for a kebab? Well, this was a bit of a special dinner, though, wasn't it? It was a very special dinner. This was Mr. Dacre's most beautiful banquet. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mr. Dacre, of course, we mean Paul Dacre of the Daily Mail, Indeed. the ferocious editor-in-chief and overlord of um, Daily the, Mail, the Mail Group. Yes. And scary as he is, I suppose if he invites you for dinner, you go along. Should she have gone? Well, I guess that's up to up to her personal judgment whether she was prepared to see the headlines the following day <laughs> of her going in in her uh, glad rags to uh, to this to this banquet which obviously has such obvious political overtones I suppose and such an agenda um the question is did she bring a bottle yeah well, <laughs> well she's got a bag with something in it she definitely took something maybe it wouldn't turn up empty handed no but I, I maybe what could she buy mr dicker he uh brown shoes oh hates brown shoes hates brown shoes and what would be on the menu because i not that mr dicker i still call him mr dicker he still strikes fear into my heart <laughs> not that he would remember me but i I'd, uh, i did have a short period where i used to spend some time um, in his office, actually in his office, actually, um, and I've seen him eat plenty of news editors. So I think the head of a new, a freshly prepared head of a news editor, maybe with a, with an apple in their mouth. Yes, yes, absolutely, or a news list, probably a rubbish news list. Mm-hmm. He's rammed a few of those down uh, news editors' throats, um, and he was at Stations Hall in London, which is very grand. I've been to I've been to occasions there myself. In fact, I'm quite sad that Mr. Dicker didn't invite me. He was celebrating. I think all of this is just based on pure yes, bitterness. Yes, I am. I'm very bitter. Um, he was uh, he was celebrating his 25 years in the editor's chair at the uh, Daily Mail, um, and of course he was a fan of the of Theresa May for a long time. Steel of the new Iron Lady screamed one front page. There have um, been some very supported headlines, haven't there? They're obviously pals, aren't they? But then he was also pals with Gordon Brown. True, very true. Um, not so much of a fan of the Blair years, no, Mr. Dicker. Well, I guess though the question is, in all seriousness, do our politi- are our politicians too close to newspaper editors and journalists? And also, it's a very divisive newspaper, the Daily Mail, and certainly our listeners, I wouldn't imagine, are great fans of it. Well, it is an interesting debate because I'm sure you, as well as I do, we we have uh, politicians that we know know well. Yeah, you have on the record chats, you have off the record chats, absolutely. And the off the record chats can help you form what the on the record chats are. Because yeah. if you don't do that bit, yeah, you can't do the other bit with any great authority and lead you towards yes. stories yes. And, and 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 themes and things that are that are coming up. But if by having those off-the-record chats, are you then compromising yourself? Because you're then in the it's in the v- friend zone, or well, at risk of being in the friend zone. That's a, Well, that would be a good story, wouldn't it, if Mr. Dicker and uh, Mrs. Mill left the friend zone? Indeed. Well, I'm sure they've got a WhatsApp group between them. <laughs> um, I get, it's a very good point. I, I, is the Prime Minister too close to, to the Daily Mail? Well, who knows? But I think that you know journalists have to have relationships with with politicians and if I was in a position of being a politician I would like the support of the biggest newspaper in the country or certainly the most influential you would you would argue in the Daily Mail so I, I'm not going to be too mean on her and I'm sure that the food was good and the bubbles flowed and everyone had a good time I, what sort of things you might have been dancing to there was definitely going to be a disco at a, a day could do oh, yeah, that would be... he's a disco animal really 
Oh, he loves dancing. Really? Well, I'm not sure, but I, <laughs> but the vision of him dancing, it will, it, you know, is one worth savouring. Clearly, the things you saw whilst you were working in his office. <laughs> yes, I think uh, oops upside your head. You can imagine them all on the dance floor. <laughs> Theresa May <laughs> between Mr. Dicker's legs. Oh. <laughs> Again, you know again. the dance, the dance. I, I know the dance. I know the dance, but it's just theatre of the mind, and this is a theatre that I, I think it's best to not get a ticket for. They were all, who else was there? Do we know? I, I I'm not aware actually. Um, clearly, you didn't get an invite, and you're incredibly bitter about it. Well, I thought that me and Mr. Dick were very good friends, and I'm, I'm rather upset about the whole thing. Oh dear. Well, it's all based on jealousy. Terrible yes. thing. Terrible thing. Terrible thing. Okay, Neil. Thanks. You're going to be back to help us crown our Brexiteer of the week uh, after I've spoken to Jerry. Indeed, and there are some very, very strong competitors. <laughs> there always are. There are some We're... very strong competitors. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One. Or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, we've spoken about pretty a little bit. We're going to speak about her again in a wider context of why now is the time for Theresa May to bring those suitcases down from the top <laughs> of the wardrobe and start to fill them with her belongings. Yeah, it's been quite a week in her cabinet, hasn't it? Uh, quite it a few has. weeks, in fact. Um, yeah. Kind of whether you've been exposed as being a bit of a sleaze bag or... Me? You, yeah, you personally. Not exposed yet. <laughs> whether you've been holding secret meetings of foreign leaders or putting British nat- nationals abroad at risk. It's yeah. been a bit of a week. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Pretty, shall we? Um, uh, the meetings meant that she had to apologise and Theresa May gave her a bit of a dressing down but amazingly she wasn't sacked and she wasn't forced to resign. She mm. wasn't pushed out the door and obviously as we know she has now resigned but it only came after further revelations. Um, but I think the reluctance of Theresa May to push her out shows just how weak she is. Also, why why let her resign? Yeah, why not? Make the point and sack her. I know it seems like a trivial thing. It might seem like a trivial thing. But Theresa May needs to show that she's got some power. And it seems everything she does suggests she's got no power at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just, it's it's crazy. And you look at former cabinet ministers or shadow cabinet ministers who've been forced to resign over far less and yeah. I'm thinking of Emily Formbury here yeah. she had to resign from Ed Miliband's shadow cabinet for tweeting a picture of a house I wow. know it was I know I know <laughs> it was a bit further than that but come on if, if you compare it to today's absolute madness it looks like a drop in the ocean doesn't it yes but uh, but yes I take your point yes. I take your point so what should she do then Is there, are there any options left for her so I think actually the way that uh, pretty did finally go is absolutely a step by step in how not to run a cabinet so she could just do the exact opposite <laughs> of what she's been doing um, but the, you know the first step was that Theresa May's authority was so weak that it wasn't even felt these meetings needed to be disclosed in the first place mm. um, then you had Alastair Burr um, standing up in the Commons to defend 
pretty tell when you see that's probably the worst thing that, well, it, that she's honest, misled the house she was already going to be sacked and he had to stand there and defend her yeah. um and then you had the whole circus of all us journalists following her plane yes. and uh, and you know when it was landing and then the bbc helicopter was up following her car which really reminded me of the oj and white bronco situation yeah it did I, I, <laughs> that was certainly certainly felt like that didn't it and whilst we were kind of enjoying ourselves it's embarrassing for the government that it was that kind of media circus. Yes. And then the final thing is that she had loads of time to, you know, prepare to watch for what she was going to say to Pretty Patel. Um, and we've only just now found out who's going to take over. Yes, Penny Mordant. Yes. yes. Taking over from Pretty. Yeah. Um, but however long it took and however many screw-ups there were over the way, she is gone, which is more than <clears> can be said for Boris. Well, this is my brings me perfectly onto my next question. What the sacking of Pretty Patel has also proved is that Boris can do absolutely anything he wants. Absolutely, making gaff after gaff after gaff. But this time it wasn't just a gaff, was it? It was dangerous. It's very serious. It's really serious. No one's laughing at him anymore. It's not funny. So this is the blunder over um, Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe, who he said was in Iran teaching journalism. Mm. And, you know, has put her in a lot of danger, put her freedom in danger. Um, it was hoped that she might be home for Christmas. That's mm. now looking less and less likely. And then mm. Liam Fox had the gall to go on the BBC and say that this wasn't a serious gaffe. Mm. Yet he's still there. Yes. I think a strong and stable Prime Minister would have probably swiftly sacked both Boris and Pretty, to be honest. Y- yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> pretty much any Prime Minister well, yeah. <laughs> um, ever would have sacked Boris a long time ago yeah. um, and, and Pretty would have been gone by Friday lunchtime. Well, absolutely. But, you know, it's easy, really easy to forget that in the midst of all this as well, you've got Damien Green, um, who's under investigation for, well, numerous things, but alleged presence of extreme porn on his work computer. He denies it. Mm. Let's be clear, he denies it. Is he denying it. that there's any porn, or is he denying that it's extreme? <laughs> Who possibly knows? I couldn't possibly comment, I'm sure. Mm. Maybe um, that's for another podcast. <laughs> and obviously, Michael Fallon's resigned as well. And this weakness in the cabinet is reflected outside as well, isn't it? There's no authority on key issues from Brexit or the NHS window crisis. That phrase which I hate, that Brexit bandwidth, was, mm-hmm. t- was taking up all the government's time. <laughs> now now it's just chaos in the cabinet. Yeah. We're not even doing it's Brexit. It's almost on really the back anymore. burner, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Let's worry about Brexit after Christmas. Uh-huh. We've got sex scandals to do before then. <laughs> but the, I don't think there's any way out for her either because she's kind of held in place by a party that won't let her go through a fear of what might come next. Do you think she do you think she'll ever walk? Do you think she's that kind of politician that she would or that kind of person in fact that would just go do you know what i'm not doing myself any good i'm not doing the party any good and i'm not doing the country any good it's time to go no because i think if she was that kind of politician (laughs) she would have been stronger in coming down on her cabinet i think she'll stick it out until the end and kind of it'll be embarrassment after after embarrassment and the book does have to stop with her really because she doesn't want to be tough on this cabinet because she's worried that if she is they will get to the backbenchers and start lobbing grenades at her. Yeah, absolutely. So she's enabling their behaviour. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's absolutely enabling them. But at the same time, there's really never been a cabinet more full of people who shouldn't be there. Not not because they're kind of, you know, people that the electorate don't necessarily agree with or there's some policy that is a bit 
bit spiky, but just simply because they've broken the rules. Yeah. They just shouldn't be there. And something I've noticed more and more is that this is becoming normalised and the more mm. these outrageous things happen, the more they become, oh, another one. And it's, it's a bit like it. Trump, isn't it? It's exactly like Trump, yeah. yeah. And that was a real concern after Trump got elected that these extremes become the new normal. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you on that score. Do you think, I've just written a piece suggesting thus, that there might be a voodoo curse on Theresa May? I mean, very possibly. Do you think it happened in those Welsh hills? Because everything was going swimmingly until... <laughs> is, there some, yeah. is there some Celtic spell that's been put on Theresa May? Did she, did she trip-trap over the wrong bridge <laughs> while on that walk? And she's now carrying some curse. I think it's the only reasonable explanation at this stage, to be honest. It does seem like there's nothing <laughs> else that could go wrong. I mean, I, I I did think a few weeks ago that nothing else could go wrong and it no. would calm down. And of course, since then, well, we've had... it seemed had... like that after conference, didn't it? Yes, it seemed like yes. one more crisis will do her in. But... We've had resignation after resignation. We've had sex scandals. We've had all kinds of nonsense going on. And yet she's still there. I, I just wonder what's next. I mean, there's bound to be a by-election coming up soon. There's just That's bound to them. They're bound to get completely stuffed. The, I mean, I wonder when she unveils the Christmas tree in Downing Street whether it's going to topple over on top of her, you know. It's a new what fresh hell is this every day, isn't Every it? single day seems to... I, and, you know, I, I did say after conference... It's no good, you know. You don't want your leader to be pitied, but at least she's got that to cling on to. Well, some I kind, so. she's evoking some kind of human feeling towards her, of a kind of, you know, head in hands. Yeah, it's not a good look, is it? Should she go? See, I'm not even sure she should. In all honesty, because who else are we gonna get? Mm. That's my worry. That is the question. Um, and I think it's the question on the uh, lips people and Tory party as well. And it's why they won't push right because who have we got? Boris? God, no. Mm. Well, you'd certainly be in the in the driving seat, I think, yeah. wouldn't you? Jerry, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Neil's with me. Indeed. We're going to do the Brexiteer of the Week. Now, this is Steve's baby, but he's, he's let me babysit. babysit. So, the first one this week is Peter Lundgren, MEP. Now, he's a Swedish right-winger. I don't mean like a back on football again. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's of the right of his party. He's not like Thomas Brolin or something. Um, he was a centre forward, however. Indeed. Um, he's claimed this week that the the what he called rumour, I think, about being Britain isolated and poor after Brexit. It's bullshit. He says, utter bullshit. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about this party, though, is is when you look at its origins, if you yes. want to look at the source, people are always being encouraged to look at their sources now. <laughs> yes. It's a listen on, on the background of the party he's part of. Yes, well, indeed. he, um, he The party that he's, he's from um, have got a, a little bit of a chequered past, shall we say. That's being kind. Yeah, they were founded um, by uh, the remnants of the Nazi party. Um, they are white supremacists. And, in fact, their logo, um, as recently as the 80s, was based on the National Front. Yeah, that's, we'll class that as reliable. Yeah, reliable. So, yeah. thanks. So, Peter, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And someone fine. who agrees with him is Mo Gaudat. Now, Mo, who's also in our uh, one of the contenders for our Brexiteer of the Week, has he, he works for Google, actually. He works for Google X. Right. I think it's a sort of super secretive, you know 
trendy. They all go to work on skateboards and things like that. Do they all have to have creative beards? I, I imagine so. And he has written a book. He's got an algorithm for happiness. Now, if you could get a real algorithm for happiness... We've got it by the book. Right? Well, but is he right? That's well, the question. What does, does he actually think Brexit is part of that algorithm? He was on Sky News and he was asked, a lot of people are worried about Brexit. And his answer, well, to put it bluntly, he simply said, think happy thoughts. He said, Brexit was a surprise for many, but thinking about it now can make you happy or unhappy. You decide to think about it by sitting down and complaining that this is not how I want my life to be. Or... You can decide to think about it, saying, it is what life is. What can I do today to engage and hopefully make it a better future? Isn't life simple? Yeah. Really? So there's no need to worry about Brexit or indeed anything ever again. Well, should we just go? I think we should probably pack up. Right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Mo. You are back crazy. Also in there this week, Stuart Agnew. Yes, man I know well. Stuart Agnew, MEP, um, who's a lot of fun. He backed Anne-Marie Waters to be leader of UKIP. I was at UKIP conference and his uh, he was supposed to speak just before the announcement. But because of because the London media had dragged their, uh, dragged their backsides all the way to Torquay and um, wanted to leave, uh, they managed to convince UKIP to bring the announcement forward. <laughs> To just before Stuart Agnew's <laughs> speech. So poor old Stuart spoke to an empty hall Bless while him. looking rather deflated that his... Because uh, he was the running mate of Anne-Marie. Um, so it, it, it was all a bit of a, a letdown for Stuart. He, I've interviewed Stuart many times and whatever you think of his politics, whether you agree with it, whether you disagree with it, he's he's a man of conviction. He, yes. he believes in what he's talking about. Absolutely, and he's a very, very pleasant man. Yes. Um, but he does have some strange ideas. About Anne-Marie Waters, for a start, he said that... Uh, he compared her to Gandhi most recently um, on the front of me. He's also said she was like Joan of Arc. Um, he was he was definitely all aboard the good ship Anne-Marie. Um, I think this... the strangest thing, though, is his suggestion of what Ireland should do next. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. He, well, he thinks Ireland should quit the EU. Um Let's just let's just for a second break that down into what the EU has done for Ireland. Tens. Are, of are we billions. veering into a what have the Romans done for us territory here? That was. What are there I was many? Going for. Are there many aqueducts? Well, there probably Sanitation, are. Public pro- health. I'm not sure what you think Ireland was like <laughs> before 1976, but <laughs> I think they had sanitation. All the roads are really wobbly now. They're now they're all straight. They're all very straight roads. Sorry, public order. Um, since 1976, tens of billions of pounds of euros. I've tried to put an actual figure on this, and it, it, it differs some depending on how you read it, but there's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 610 million euros directly into projects investing in people, Irish people, and 620 million into Irish scientific research. Basically, lots and lots of cash into Ireland. It's been a good deal for Ireland. Yeah. And what's the percentage of Irish voters who actually want to stay in the EU? They're not wavering in Ireland. 88% of people want to stay in the EU. So I say after referendum, and maybe that might chuck aggers up. So it could be argued that he's supported by the popular front, and he's <laughs> sitting over there. <laughs> and I do hope some people got the Python reference. Or else that sounded <laughs> yes. really, really weird. Well, I'm sure the listeners got the Python reference. Good. That's good. But our Bre- the Brexiteers of the week, however, this week, and I say Brexiteers because it's shared. Oh, a shared be, award. Had Special to be, day. Yeah, a shared award. 
one of the one of them has won it many times. That's Nigel Farage. The other is Breitbart News, who has appeared in the list before, but has never been number one. Let me tell you, there needs to be a little bit of context here. Um, last week, as I'm sure you saw in the New European, we printed a um, depiction of, of cartoon violence, shall we say. Um, and Breitbart saw this, because obviously subscribers, I would imagine everyone in the newsroom, and did a story about how they thought that was a, a bad thing to do. Nigel agreed and gave them a quote saying, mm, awful Remainers, what awful people they are for doing that awful cartoon. The comments section, however, on Breitbart News was hilarious. So oh. let's... <laughs> they, they were telling us off for, for having a violent depiction. Let me... I'll just read two. I could have read hundreds, but I'll just read two. Well, maybe not hundreds. I could have read more than two. Are these the choice cuts that you can actually read out? These are the choice cuts that I can read out. Tim said... Anyone know where their offices are? I'll send the boys round. It's not like journalists know how to fight. Okay, that's constructive. Tim, I might not be a good fighter, but I'm a very quick runner. (laughs) (laughs) And Lacey, one of Breitbart's US readers. This is Breitbart UK, so one of their US readers. So he must really love Breitbart. He finished the US site. He started on the UK version. He said this, Anytime you Brits need help, just call your American cousins. This is this is starting <laughs> low. We, we're dealing with them now. I don't know who he means by them particularly, but we are dealing with them now, and our founding fathers blessed us with the right to bear arms and speak our minds. So we should be really defending our depiction of uh, that cartoon. Yeah. So... So we're going to get beaten up and shot. Oh, good. Good. So that's, that's really encouraging. Yes. So Breitbart News, congratulations. You are one of the Brexiteers of the week. And Nigel Farage, you are the other. You f***. Okay. Now, next, we have... t- next time, could you mince your words? <laughs> we... <laughs> we... Uh, we... I've got... We asked you a question. And again, hundreds of responses on social media. We asked you to come up with a collective noun for Brexiteers. Um, and... I think we had a lot of uh, confusion of, which I thought was good. Um, We had a lot of um, an idiot of and uh, things like that. But we've picked out a few favourites. Now, um, Fiona Shaw Rudd, uh, I think this was on Facebook, said... A bully of Brexiteers. Ooh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Well, I'd gone through and picked out a few, yeah. and it was based on common decency and words you can normally say. You've dropped the C-bomb in a very large and loud way, and so you half can... the ones I've picked... <laughs> I, I could pick some far more interesting I, ones, but I, I'm going to go with the ones I've circled. I can bleep. Oh, that's lucky, that. I'm a big bleeper. You're definitely a bleep, and that's probably for the best, <laughs> really. Uh, we'll go with Patrick Nodder first. He says, a blowhard. Oh, do I have to bleep like. that? No. Okay. No, you can stick with that one. I think that can be said. That's fine. Okay. I like uh, Reverend Martin Bunches. A nonsense. He's got more than one, though, so let's go through them all. A nonsense. I like that. A circus. A babble. And his last one. A propaganda. A propaganda of yeah, Brexit yeah. is. Good, that's good, isn't well, that's it? That's not too bad. Um, David Berman has suggested a Trump yes. of Brexit <laughs> which has yes. just got a nice ring to Trump it, I think. Um, Arjo van Gendrum, which I've pronounced wrong and I apologise for. Arjo? Arjo, I'd probably say. Uh, he says a botch of Brexiteers. 
Terry Fesenko says a blunder of Brexiteers, which I liked. Uh, Steve Mealy, a denial of Brexiteers. My very favourite is Squitters. <laughs> the, these are quitters who are now shitting themselves wow. after realising the true implications of Brexit. We could go on for some time. We could go on for so long. Guys, as always, thank you so much for uh, engaging with us on social media. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at The New European. Uh, go and find us on Facebook or look at us on MySpace. Does that still exist? I've no idea. We're on Friends Reunited. Are we? Does that, that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore, does it? I don't know. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Richard. I, I, I always love coming on here, whether you're for or you're against. I, I normally sit in that joyous middle ground of on the journalistic fence on all issues, and it is, uh, and it's, it's rather good fun to dip your toe on one side or the other just to, just to enjoy other people's opinions. Neil, thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again soon. Thanks. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all your support, all your nice comments. Tell all your friends. And if you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. It's in the newsagents now. It's not just politics. It's not just Brexit. There are tons and tons and tons of stuff from culture to food to fashion to football. You will find something you enjoy in the New European. Mr Campbell, take it away. Liking us by I don't know what to do with a podcast. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com So, Retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of kids' classic, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. On Tuesday, how Rockford became the cheese of kings. 
On Wednesday, we meet the Jobs and Wozniak of the 1800s. On Thursday, the history of the YMCA, from the City of London to the village people. And on Friday, the edgy musical that made Greece the word. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.